Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, y'all, and I'm sure you've been following the news, if not about the Wagner Group run on Moscow. So within this episode, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an overview and provide some analysis of what I think is going on. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Wagner Group. Secretive Russian mercenary group. A shadowy private security company that has ties to the Kremlin. Wagner Group has a gruesome reputation. The, the, the head, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Okay, so Yevgeny Prigozhin has an interesting history if you're not familiar with it. He originally was a, a cook, a chef. He was known as Putin's chef and he cooked for him. And he worked his way up the ranks in order to be um, controlling the Wagner Group. Now, the Wagner Group has been fighting within within Ukraine, and they've been doing a relatively good job, depending on what open source information is saying. Um, and they've been having some issues with the Ministry of Defense. And it really kind of comes down to Sergei Shigo, who is the leader of the Ministry of Defense. You have different conversations and topics occurring as it relates to that. So... The reason what's happening is the Wagner Group is is this group that kind of works as a hand of of Russia um, in a way to fight proxy wars. It, it is a mercenary group, but they use it in a way in order to avoid certain conflicts like the Geneva Convention. They don't have to adhere to the normal criteria of war. They fought within Syria. They've been seen really in different locations all over the world, and they've been used to fight within um, Ukraine. So, and they were originally created in 2013 to kind of help with the revolt of the Donbass region when they took over, whenever Russia took over then, and they worked within the Maidan. So, whenever we think about them, it's really important to understand that, and it's rumored that a majority of them are prisoners, and they're potentially fighting for their freedom, ex-special forces, so really that defense contractor aspect that, that Russia's using and developing and implementing and using it within the Wagner Group. And Prigozhin is the head of the organization. I've done a podcast on it before, um, so I've definitely been following it pretty closely in terms of what they're doing within Ukraine. Now, what's happening is there's been an escalation as it relates to Friday. So on Friday, what happened is Prigozhin came out and addressed the media and indicated that there was a potential attack that happened where the Ministry of Defense purposely bombed and killed um, the Wagner Group soldiers they call them i think they call them musicians or they have some type of slang word for them and as a result of it it spiraled into a situation where Prigozhin was really upset and thought that what was happening within the war was not true you have oligarchs who are trying to take over run um ukraine fill fat pockets and as a result of russian people dying it kind of created this situation now the context of it too is Prigozhin has had a problem with the Ministry of Defense for a long time, there's a lot of open source information indicating that the logistics weren't delivered on time, they weren't helping with the war, cutting off, and it just found like there was a breakdown in communication. Um, now, whenever I approach this story, I'm really using it through the open source information aspect, news articles I've read, and providing analysis of what I really think happened. Now, if you look at any articles, what they're calling it is rebellion, a um, and that's really how the media was pushing it. Now, the real question I kept asking was why? Why would they be doing this? It makes no sense strategically. It doesn't follow the flow, you know. Um, and and Pergosia, being the person who he is, 
never said anything directly about Putin, never talked bad about Putin. He indicated that there was people around him communicating negatively to Putin. And this kind of prompted me to be like, okay, so what does this truly mean? Well, I think what has happened or what we're seeing is actually a situation almost like a business deal. Um, and what do I mean by that? Whenever we look at what happened with Prigozhin coming into Russia, you know, he did it relatively easy, relatively quickly. Now, probably, I think what happened is he probably didn't think it was going to be that easy. You know, he took over a few towns, you know, hit some commercial planes, I think shot down a couple commercial planes and, and did a few things like that. And then he stopped about 200 meters outside of, uh, of Moscow or about 160 miles. So what, why? People like, why? Well, is the coup over? He struck a deal. So what happened is he communicated with Alexander Lukashenko, and he is actually the president of Belarus and believed to be very tied to Putin. Well, it looked like what happened is there's a breakdown in communication. So you have a situation where Porchenko is coming in, making a run at Moscow. The Moscow military obviously wasn't prepped for it, not thinking it was going to happen, and they're able to do it relatively quickly. So then you had a situation that right when they got to about the 160-mile mark outside of Marska, Moscow, Alexander Luka, Luka Poroshenko brokered a deal between Crimea, Putin, Crimea, with Putin, Moscow, and Poroshenko. Now, the deal was um, he could move to Belarus. The soldiers that were a part of the invasion could move to Belarus. They won't be tried. And you have... Um, the Wagner Group rolling in and being a part of the defense ministry in a couple months is what the rough outline I've heard of this deal. So you have a whole transition changing and it just ends. And then would you have um, Poroshenko talking about why he didn't invade? He indicated he didn't want to spill any Russian blood. So what? So that's the gist of it. That's the story. They rolled on Moscow. It looked relatively easy. You know, as a result of it, a lot of people are questioning what what can the Russian military do is believed to be one of the best and in, in, in it was relatively easy. Now, what the question is, do people not really care? Okay. Or do they, or, or, you know, were they not a part of this fight or maybe they didn't really, obviously they knew what was going on because there was state media warning about it. So whenever we take a step back, I indicated earlier that I thought it was a business deal, but I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes and this wasn't a typical um, rebellion. You know, what we have to understand is the way Russia does business is different than the way the West perceives it. There is a lot of things that happen socially within certain contexts that doesn't really um, relate or the way it's just it's hard to explain. Like I once sat in a presentation with a Russian analyst and what he told me was that the thing about Russia is there's a strongman mentality. You know, and it's like if you're a lawyer, you'll put on the door, hey, went to go chop wood be back in 45 minutes and coming back. So the strongman mentality is really, really important. It's a tone that's set. You know, it's not like we have lawyers here chopping wood, but these are top lawyers, you know? So what I'm trying to really indicate with this is I think there was probably a business deal going on with Poroshenko and potentially the defense ministry. And I think probably what happened is there's a breakdown in communication, number one. And I think, too, probably what happened is Putin was being isolated out. So Prochenko was probably being iced out and not able to communicate with Putin because of 
And Sergei Shigo, the defense ministry, is probably not communicating with Russia. So I think he had a situation where probably Poroshenko felt isolated in terms of communication and needed to do something drastic and potentially play a higher card. I think if you're going to invade into Moscow and then stop, it indicated that his demands and needs were met. Now, I really think, I honestly think there was a situation going on where Poroshenko was not getting the deal he wanted. Because now we're having the Wagner group absorbed into the defense ministry and no one's really taking it on. So they're almost detaching it and taking it apart. So my thought is maybe this was something that was going on in a conversation for a while because maybe the Wagner group was getting too much attention in Ukraine. And as a result of getting too much attention, it was taking away potentially from the narrative. And maybe the defense ministry didn't like it. Putin didn't like it. So there's conversations about dissolving it and Poroshenko wasn't going to be left with anything. And at the same time, he just had a natural beef with the defense ministry because he think they were trying to do ill justice. And this prompts with the potential attack that happened in Friday. We don't know how much of this is actually true. So if that's the situation, they go to Moscow with the intention of brokering a deal. And the deal probably has a lot to do with money, okay, alleviating control and helping out the people. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is normal business within Russia, you know, because you didn't have a situation where people were like, oh, this is a coup. You know, you did have a conversation where maybe Putin left Moscow and they're bracing for it. But two, I'm sure Pachenko wasn't like, yeah, I'm ready to take on uh, Russia via a military coup. I mean, I think to take that on in itself would be a lot. And it didn't seem like he wanted that because he could have taken it. And that wasn't his intention. Now, once again, we know he was close with Putin. He's friends with Putin. He was his cook. But we know Putin also potentially has a tight, small circle, and that might be a way for him to control information. Now, if he's controlling information that way, and you have Sergei, who is not giving all the information to Putin that he needs, you have a drastic situation where maybe Poroshenko says, let's ride on Moscow because I need to get a better deal, and this is the last hand I can play. Now, I think more than likely that's the situation that occurred because it makes the most sense because why else would Poroshenko stop? He wasn't worried about spilling Russian blood. He just blew up six planes. He had enough military to come in there, artillery with the tank, and potentially go in and create that situation. But by brokering this deal, you know, it could create a new resolve for what's going to happen. Now, the other hand, you know, dealings with Putin and potentially making him look bad is another story. I mean, now we're having a situation where Russia looks like a paper tiger. I mean, they look like they have no real grit to them and they weren't able to stop this. And it also looks like maybe the Russian people potentially wanted it to happen. You know, for the movement of there have been movements happening in in Russia for a while where you have Russian forces fighting Russian forces within Ukraine. So this could potentially be a caveat off of that. And they're creating an environment where it's almost looking like Russia's kind of falling apart. Now, I've talked about this a lot within my podcast. If we go back to the teachings of Alexander Dugan, who in fact is considered Putin's brain in working in developing ideology of Russian, he said this war will either build Russia or break it. And at this point, it looks like it has the potential um, drive to break it. Because now after seeing what's happened with the Wagner Group and what they've been able to do in Russia, the next question is, how strong is Putin really? You know, and it's like, what is truly happening within Russia? You know, and is it just the ability for 
Putin, who is a student of the KGB, worked his way up, was in West Germany, really understands the importance of how to navigate and present propaganda. And if that's the case, we might be looking at a whole different situation within Russia that we haven't really seen before, and maybe the military analysts weren't aware of it. Now, a lot of people, too, are talking about this $6 billion that were lost with the DOD on an accounting error. When we look at the DOD, they, 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 they can lose money, and they have, they have failed a lot of audits. But I never think anybody within the DOD would pay the Wagner Group $6 billion to run on Moscow because it's just there's too many things that could potentially happen. And that, to me, is just this weird conspiracy that's popping up online and it's a spurious relationship they are not connected um i think all in all what is the outcome of the wagner group if this is the number one fighting force within ukraine and they've just been dissolved the ministry of defense and they do love Poroshenko, i mean what is that going to do you know if he's in belarus and he's protected it really like is a situation that doesn't make sense that's why i feel like this was um Poroshenko's last play because the Wagner Group is considered a criminal organization. If he's going in other countries, he could be potentially be arrested. But if he goes back to Russia, now he could be killed by Putin. It's like strategically, it makes sense that this had to be his last play. And now he's going to have to probably lay low for a while. You know, maybe Putin says, you know, it creates a situation where does, does President Lukashenko give him up? I mean, if he's a puppet, I think that there's going to be a lot of propaganda that happens. And it could have been a call where... You know, I think honestly, you had um, Poroshenko being like, "Hey, I need um, to talk with you. I've been isolated out because the Ministry of Defense doesn't want to relay these messages or my terms, and this is what I think is best." And maybe you had Putin say, "Okay," and then, but you have to lay low for a while because everyone says, you know, Putin's going to be coming for him in order to create a message, which could happen too. It goes back to the strongman concept about Russia. I think it in a lot of ways it could be a paper tiger and they're using these strong men to kind of bolster up and say, hey, you know, we have a lot of military power and military might, but the Wagner group just exposed that in such a way we've never seen before. I mean we haven't seen anything quite like this since World War One. So whenever we put this into context, I think there's a lot more things happening behind the scene. There's a reason for doing it. It's not a random activity. I do not think a coup or rebellion was ever the goal. I think it was a bluff to get a deal on the table in order for potentially Poroshenko to retire, cook in um, Belarus, live out his life almost like, and, and maybe a lot of these guys within the Wagner group for granted freedom because we do know they were prisoners. I really think this is an outcome that makes more sense and we have to apply we have to strip away the Western lens and do our best to try to understand this through a Russian perspective. And that's my best way. So I've provided my analysis of what's going to happen. Time will tell. You know, I think the whole point of this podcast is to learn more about the world as well as learning about yourself. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll get back to you tomorrow.